Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. Sarah's away today. She'll be back soon. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. October is uh, a month in which we observe uh, awareness about many things, and one of those happens to be the, the loss of a child. Joining me today, Chaplain Brian Hamer, an active duty Navy chaplain and church musician who always has wonderful things to share with us about church music, wrote a wonderful article at the whatdoesthismean.org, and you can find that there in the Lifted Voice column. Chaplain Hamer, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Andy, good to be with you today. So as a chaplain, how does child loss intersect with your ministry and the people you serve? Andy, when I was stationed in Central California, I was at the installation chapel. So your schedule looks a lot like it would in a local parish and you don't actually deploy. And I was very pleasantly surprised my first or second year there around 2015 or 2016 to have a group approach me about conducting their annual child loss ceremony. And every year in October, these folks would gather at the flagship chapel of Navy Region Southwest, just outside Fresno, California. And they would have a ceremony, not an actual worship service, but just a ceremony where folks would come up and they would tell the story of their own uh, child loss. I would always share one piece of uh, sacred music with the group. And then at the end, everybody could come forward to uh, light a candle in remembrance of a child that they knew whom they had lost. I believe the technical title for this for shorthand, we always say child loss month because it's only three syllables. But I did some research. It looks like this was established in 1988 by then President Ronald Reagan. And the full title is Pregnancy, Infant, and Child Loss Awareness Month. And then October 15th has been designated as Pregnancy, Infant, and Child Loss Day. Now, I have not been stationed at Lemoore for the past uh, three or four years, and I don't anticipate uh, going back anytime soon. But their stories and just that willingness to you know, remember the children who had died. And let's face it, the vivid contrast. This was not specifically a pro-life rally, but it also functions as that. What a vivid contrast in remembering these children and their inherent worth and dignity um, as a human being in contest contrast to the current promulgation of abortion as a reproductive health option. So in remembrance of them and for all who have suffered a child loss, I write uh, one column a year sharing music that I hope brings hope and healing. Hmm. And that column at Around the Word, Theology for the Curious Christian, what does this mean.org is the, the website. Fantastic article called In the Midst of Earthly Life, the and looking at hymnody and sacred music, the, the church's song, and specifically music to, to bring us comfort as we reflect on this very issue of the, the loss of a child. Where do we find truth, hope, and comfort in God's Word regarding the loss of a child? I think the easiest way to find that, Andy, and of course there are 
many research tools available, both hard copy and online. But I found it easiest since I started this around 2016 to go to the Lutheran Agenda and its companion volume in layman's terms. Those are books that your pastor certainly has on his shelf and that anybody could buy, of course, but you would most likely expect the pastor to be spending quite a bit of time in the agenda. Mm-hmm. And then you simply take the occasion and you can look in the back and the various indexes to, to prayers and to scripture lessons, but I think it's even easier simply to go to the church year, December 28th, the Feast of the Holy Innocent, mm. where we remember the babies who were killed under Herod's cruel sword in his quest to wipe out the newborn king of the Jews. And there you will find some of the same lessons that actually overlap with what I have here in this, in this column. And that you have to remember, first and foremost, these are actual children, human beings created and known by God, knitted in the mother's womb. And even though Bethlehem was pretty small, so the number of boys to and under in little Bethlehem would have been probably a modest number. Scholars estimate maybe 12 to 24 babies that were slaughtered in the slaughter of the, of the holy innocent. But one is too many because each one is precious in God's sight. The other option is to go to, again, the various uh, indices and look under child loss and suffering, and you'll find plenty of uh, plenty of resources. Hmm. In your article, you also bring us to the Psalms as well, where we find comfort there. And Psalm 139, would you like to take a look at that as well today? Uh, absolutely. So the three that I chose, and this is from the Lutheran Agenda Service, for the burial of a stillborn or unbaptized child. And the three that I picked uh, straight out of the agenda, and then I went to find the actual musical setting. So Psalm 139, Jeremiah 31, and then I picked a hymn based on selected uh, psalm verses. And so Psalm 139 is kind of the lead passage in the article. If I could read and unpack just a couple verses from Psalm 139. For thou hast possessed me in my reign, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Especially that phrase, that thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And you think in terms of how the mother's womb is the safest place on earth for any human being. It is the safest place, this side of heaven. And even long before the ultrasound could really show us just how human this baby is, the psalmist knows this right away here in Psalm 139, just as the very basic of the theology of creation. And he continues, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. In other words, that God the Father is at work inside the mother's womb starting at conception. And then especially these words, a few verses later, when I awake, I am still with thee. So the psalmist prays that as he goes to bed, knowing that when he gets up tomorrow, God is with him. God the Son can pray this psalm. When I awake, I am still with thee. For after his three days sleep in the tomb, he awakes and he is still before God the Father. And of course, we can pray that, and we hear it in the one-year lectionary, that's a slightly older lectionary, but still in use up here and there. Those are the first words of the Easter liturgy, opening statement, 
of the introit. When I awake, I am still with thee. That Christ is still with us now. And when we awake on the other side of the grave, we will see him face to face. Hmm. The second Old Testament text is Jeremiah 31, 15 through 17. For Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. And that carries right over into Matthew chapter 2. Rachel, you recall in Genesis 30, so desired to have children that she considered herself to be dead without them. But old Israel was later led into Babylonian captivity. The captives were first assembled in Ramah. So Ramah, mentioned in Jeremiah 40, always has a negative overtone from Jeremiah forward. So that in Matthew 2, we have this quote about Rachel weeping for her children without hope for her future, that her children would come back to their own country. And then that becomes the song of lament for the mothers in uh, Matthew's gospel who lost children during Herod's slaughter. Such helpful text and in, in, in bringing to light that this is when we feel alone or that we're suffering um, alone, that we're not alone in our suffering and that we have a God, uh, a creator and a redeemer who cares deeply about our loss. Hmm. Absolutely. Let's, so, so you, you, you dug into the text specifically for this, for the, this particular occasion, the, on the, the burial of a stillborn child or a, a child not baptized. Where did that take you then in terms of the, the church's song? But there are two ways I think we can go about this. When I started this back around, say, 2016, I actually looked specifically for choral works and choral works because that I really want the word that will share and impress the gospel and the hope of the resurrection upon the hearers who have lost children. So, for instance, there's a work I covered a few years ago by Renee Clausen, Lutheran composer mm-hmm. at Concordia College, Moorhead, Minnesota. And he wrote a work based on a text from Song of Solomon, Set Me as a Seal Upon Your Heart. Um, after his wife suffered, as I recall, I believe it was her fourth miscarriage. And after the miscarriage, she was placed into her room to recover, but she happened to be right next to the room where the ladies who had the more successful births were. So you could hear babies crying in one room as he's crying. So you had the tears of joy on one side of the wall and you had the tears of lamentation on the other side. And then Renee Clausen's gift to his wife was this wonderful, maybe two and a half minute setting of set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm for love is strong as death. And there are a few others you could dig out um, of a repertoire that were written specifically on the death of a son. The one that seems to pop up, or a daughter, as the case may be, the one that seems to pop up most frequently is David's lament for his son, Absalom. So they call his rebellious son who met David in battle where their armies met and eventually Absalom was killed and David lamented the death of his son. That has been set by uh, numerous composers and I think it was in this column last year uh, that I covered a setting of David's lament for Absalom. The story behind the three pieces I covered this year is a little bit different. Are we ready for that? Sure, sure. Okay. 
So you can go to specific occasions, works written after the death of a child. This year I started with the agenda. And again, I picked Psalm 139, Jeremiah 31, and Martin Luther's hymn, In the Midst of Earthly Life. Now, none of these were actually written specifically for the death of a child in the composer's lifetime. These are musical settings of pre-existent texts that are fitting to bring comfort to those who grieve the loss of a child. So very briefly, Psalm 139 is a bit lengthy, and the musical setting that I chose is something called Anglican chant. And if our listeners get a chance to listen to it, I hope you'll find that the words are very clear. A quick warning, don't try to coordinate it with any specific Bible translation. It looks like somebody took the King James Version and probably in an Anglican cathedral, as our Anglican friends are prone to do, they tweak the words just a little bit, so without destroying the meeting. Mm-hmm. I just stayed at 30 minutes at BibleGateway.com trying to figure out which translation this is in. <laughs> the nice thing about Anglican chant, which is intended to be sung by a choir, it's in four parts, but all the parts align. So soprano, alto, tenor, bass, they're all singing the exact same words at the same time, typically in an ensemble of about 24 singers. And as I hope the hearers will hear at the website, the text is going to be very clear and then it allows us to impress that text. And it's a wonderful thought about God, the creator at work from conception to impress those hearts upon our mind. The setting of text based on Jeremiah 31 and echoed in Matthew's gospel comes from the venerable Bede, B-E-D-E, and we know him for the hymn, A Hymn of Glory, Let Us Sing. And he has a nice little poem that's based on the voice in Rama. And if I could just read the first stanza to give our listeners an idea of uh, what he has here. A voice from Rama there was sent, a voice of weeping and lament. When Rachel moored the children's sword, who for the tyrant's sword she bare? Who, having tasted earthly woe, eternal triumph now they know, for whom the cruel torments rent, a voice from Rama was their scent. So you have full-strength law and full-strength gospel, such as in the phrase, eternal triumph, now they know. The composer here, who lived uh, centuries after the venerable Bede, is, I'm helping with the pronunciation here, Bertram, Lourdes, Selby, I don't know if I'm even saying that quite right. You got me. But he died in 1918. And as you listen to it, I think that the setting is very haunting, as befits the murder, in this case, of, of innocent children. And yet there's a sense of hope starting in the second stanza, where he adds some, some dance motifs and some very light instrumentation. So by the time they get to the whole piece, um, especially that last phrase at the end of stanza three, what time they shine in heavenly day, and every tear is wiped away. So he leaves us with that promise echoing in the book of Revelation that God shall wipe every tear from our eye. And I think that was probably the, that poet I, I was least familiar with. And, and I want to chat a little bit more about this piece, and I know we have one more piece to, to dig into as well. We need to take a quick break. We'll do that, and, and then we'll come back in a moment. We'll take a look at one more piece, particularly looking at this issue of the loss of a child and, and this intersection of sacred music for this topic. 
We're talking with Chaplain Brian Hamer, active duty Navy chaplain. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. We're talking with Chaplain Brian Hamer. He's written a wonderful article at Around the Word, and you can find that at whatdoesthismean.org, the article in the midst of earthly life, sacred music for Child Loss Month. And we're taking a look at some wonderful pieces of sacred music specifically related to this this topic of the, the loss of a child. So before we went to the break, we were talking about, Chaplain, you were speaking about the piece written by, the text written by the Venerable Bede, which I, I'm not familiar with, around, what, uh, 672, 673 to the early 700s as well. He was one of the great poets of the Middle Ages. I, I know very little about him, but the, the text is just, the, the text is beautiful. What about the intersection of text and tune? Much like many other pieces of, of church music, there might be many different tunes, depending on, on what era you're looking at. What about the, the tune that you selected in your article? And, and I should point out to the listeners, go check out the article at whatdoesthismean.org because you, you pointed to some great pieces on the web, on YouTube, that were really helpful to give us an idea of, of what you were looking at. Oh, absolutely. So the intersection of text and tune in this work by the Venerable Bede. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, a, a nice way, I think, to connect text and tune is to, if at all possible, Study them independently. So for our listeners to go to what does this mean, forward slash lifted voice, and they read this column, just read the text as they have printed it for you at the website. So to say from stanza two, and just look at the text on its own intrinsic merit. Fear not, a little flock and best, the lion that your life oppress. To heavenly pasture ever knew the heavenly shepherd leadeth you, who dwelling now on Zion's hill, the lambs their footsteps follow still. By tyrants there no more distressed. Fear not, O little flock, and bless. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but I would describe that text as tender-hearted, shepherdly, mm-hmm. and certainly very comforting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now hit the trusty play button that rules our lives every day. <laughs> simply ask yourself, <laughs> does the music carry and paint the text. And if folks get a chance to listen to the music, I think you'll catch that, especially um, in the second stanza when the composer's, uh, composer adds instruments. So in the first stanza, it's pretty well the exposed melody. You get that melody into your head. The melody carries through to the second and the third stanza, but the instruments carry a variation, something that the composer or the poet might have had in mind. It's when you look at artistic depictions of the babies slaughtered in Bethlehem, sometimes they're shown in heaven playing with crowns 
and or playing instruments such as harps. I think that's what he depicts so beautifully here. Anything else about this piece of voice from Rama was there sent before we go on to the last piece we have, uh, I think enough time to, to get into the, the Luther hymn here as well, but anything else about uh, a voice from Rama? Oh, absolutely. Just, I, I cannot imagine a good, another good question that I hope folks will ask, you know, of a sermon, of a hymn, and certainly of the three pieces that I have, that I have explored here. How does this comfort me? And stanza three, it's, it's difficult for me to imagine more comfort. If you've ever looked in the eyes of parents who just spent six months, you know, getting a nursery ready. Now, suddenly, instead of a nursery, they have a casket and a gravesite. And every tear is wiped away by your dear father's hand for A. That has no power to hurt you more, whose own life is eternal life's store. And all who sow in peril weep in everlasting joy shall reap. But time they shine in heavenly day, and every tear is wiped away. Yeah, I just want to say this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, let's take a look at the, the Luther hymn here, In the Midst of Earthly Life. Tell us about this hymn. It might not be as familiar as some of Luther's other hymns. Andy, I fear that this is one of Luther's uh, least uh, familiar hymns, which is really too bad. I know it is a, a little bit difficult to, to sing, but it's a wonderful hymn if you take the time to learn the text uh, and the tune. It is based on a, a medieval text that is still in our funeral liturgy. You often hear the pastor pray this text as we're walking from the casket to the gravesite. In the midst of life, we are in death, of whom will we seek for help? But of you, O Lord, who for our sins are justly displeased, O Lord God, most holy, O Lord, most mighty, O holy and most merciful Savior, deliver us not into the bitter pains of eternal death. Now, as it goes with so many of Luther's hymns, he takes something old and he essentially makes it new. So it's always going to have the continuity with the liturgy that, say, he would have grown up with as a child, but he adds, of course, the gospel. So here in Martin Luther's hymn, uh, we read, In the midst of earthly life, snares of death surround us. Who shall help us in the strife, lest the foe confound us? Only, Lord, thou only, we mourn that we have greatly erred, that our sins thy wrath have stirred. And this is where Luther changes it up a bit. Holy and righteous God, holy and mighty God, holy and all-merciful Savior, eternal Lord God, save us lest we perish and the bitter pangs of death have mercy, O Lord. And it's in three stanzas, and each one ends, and this is from Luther, each one ends with those words, have mercy, O Lord. So essentially you are praying to Kyrie. So it does have, indeed, the full strength of the law. We have death surrounding us, the foe confounding us, and stand the tomb that hell might over or take us, that when someone assails us, who will secure us? And in stanza three, all our sins oppress us. Where shall we for refuge go? Where for grace to bless us? And the list of health stanza three is, To thee, Lord Jesus, only thy precious blood was shed to win. Full atonement for our sin. Have mercy, Lord. And once again, you just want to say, this is the gospel of the Lord. 
praise be to thee, O Christ. Hmm. Written the, the, this hymn from Martin Luther, it, it, looking back at, at his history, he too had experience with the, the loss of a child, more than one, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you sometimes read that, you know, Martin Luther had X number of children and folks always like to ask how many children did Bach have? And the answer is 20. And suddenly you picture dinner for 22 and what must be the ultimate homeschool setting or something. But with the age, of course, you can't have all 20 at once, but infant mortality, you would not actually have all of those children at home at, at any given time. Now, in Martin Luther's case, he lost a newborn named Elizabeth, and then he lost an adolescent named Margaret. And then he does talk in his writings about it, especially with, with Margaret, because then you could go to her bedside and she could talk to him about how she's going to see Jesus and, and, and so forth. I mean, you can see this shining through um, in his hymn. So we have these phrases about God being holy and mighty, holy and all merciful. It's always clear if you sing the entire hymn, and in this one you have to sing the entire hymn. It is not a divide well, that he is holy and all merciful, that he might share that mercy with us in Christ, who is our resurrection and our life. And so the way I conclude the article, and this does echo some of Luther's writing, this medieval text that he is working with starts in the midst of life, we are in death or sometimes translated, in the midst of life, death has us surrounded. I simply switch the words death and life and add Jesus onto it, and you get these words. In the midst of death, life has us surrounded. The rich and abundant life of Jesus Christ. And therein is great comfort for all those who mourn the pregnancy, infant, and child loss. In the midst of earthly life, sacred music for Child Loss Month. A great article from Chaplain Hamer. You can find it in the Lifted Voice column. It's a monthly column at whatdoesthismean.org around the word theology for the curious Christian. Again, whatdoesthismean.org. Our guest today, Chaplain Brian Hamer of the U.S. Marine Corps. Chaplain Hamer, thank you so much for sharing this great music of the church with us and a great comfort from God's word. Always a pleasure, Andy. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.